We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking 2023 Jets and Giants projections on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. I will be coming to you solo tonight. Curtis is on vacation this week. I say tonight, uh, I'm recording this on the night of the 4th of July. So happy 4th of July and a belated sense to everybody out there. Uh, I will be holding down the fort this week. That means we are going to be doing some more of this projections series where we look at different teams and we think about kind of the baseline scenario that you might expect when projecting a team subjectively. Then we look at some of the tweaks that you could make to key players that might allow a player to realize some of the upside potential that they have. Uh, likewise, perhaps failing to meet some of the expectations that you might have for them in baseline scenarios. So with that out of the way, I'm going to reach over here. I'm going to change my sound bank. And there we go. So let's start off uh, with the New York Jets. Now, Last year, this is a team that went 7-10. and 10. Obviously, a very different situation this year at quarterback, we assume, given that last year there was a great deal of turmoil uh, in the quarterback room there. Zach Wilson proving again that he was not the prospect the team hoped he would be after a long and drawn-out saga with Aaron Rodgers. He now arrives in New York. Who does he bring along with him? He brings along Alan Lazard, a player that we've talked about a number of times already on the show this summer. You have Brees Hall hopefully returning uh, at full strength once more from the injury that he suffered early in his career. And you also have a couple of other moves with Elijah Moore leaving the team and we will see what things look like with Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, as a reminder, last year, you got seven games out of Brees Hall. In those games, 
He averaged 5.8 yards rushing, had a nice 62-yard rush for his long on the year, had four touchdowns, uh, also added 218 yards on 19 receptions as a receiver with another touchdown, which was very, very impressive. Um, And then again, in week seven, he had 72 yards and a touchdown before tearing his ACL and meniscus in the second quarter, uh, which ended his year early in the projection that we're looking at now we're going to assume to make things easy here that hall starts week one comes out at pretty much full strength and as a result of that we can think about what 17 games would look like from a team level perspective last year they ran three plays fewer than average kind of in the zone of what you might expect for a team that wins seven games uh in the years Prior to that, under the coaching staff that we see there now, you had less than 66 plays in 2021 with Robert Sala. Uh, And then Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator um, in his career, keep in mind he's been with teams like Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Broncos, has normally had a split where you're somewhere around like 55% pass uh, to rush. Uh, Sala with the Jets has been closer to a 60 to 40 split. I think that with Aaron Rodgers coming there, there's compelling reason to expect that the team split this year would be somewhat similar. Uh, I have them with a split of 59 to 41% in favor of the pass coming right in at league average in terms of play volume. And what that's going to translate to for Aaron Rodgers uh, which we will see in the end is a season that gets him to a little bit outside of quarterback one range, um, which would be a fairly interesting outcome for him this year. If we take a quick review of what he did from a stat perspective last year threw for 26 touchdowns, uh, had 3,700 passing yards, very minimal rushing, but did add one score on the ground. So, Brees Hall reprises his role as the main back. I would give him in a baseline scenario, 63% of rushing work, 11% of passing work was efficient last year. As a result, one of the few running backs that I have with a boosted yards per carry, he's up at 4.6, a nice touchdown rate that gets him to around nine touchdowns as two touchdowns as a receiver. And then perhaps given what we saw him able to do in his first uh, seven or so games last year, 322 yards on 46 receptions could be on the lower side of where he's able to finish. That line there gets Brees Hall into the top five at RB5. Now, let's just see what happens with a couple of small tweaks. We'll leave the team's rushing volume where it is. 440 attempts is a pretty nice margin um, or pretty nice mark considering the fact that they've brought in Rodgers. They have some strong wide receivers. They have some options that uh, you would anticipate he's going to like as he brought along Lazard, also added Randall Cobb in. They have Garrett Wilson there. I think you're going to see a similar split of passing volume, and I, I don't know that you're going to see a major increase in total play volume. But let's just say we get Brees Hall up to 66% of rushes. And maybe he ends up with 13% of the passing volume. In that type of scenario, 
you would have Hall moving up to RB3. Now, in underdog drafts recently, I have seen some scenarios where you have maybe seven, eight running backs go ahead of him. So from an ADP perspective, depending on your league, maybe there's a little bit of room for upside. But given that in my baseline projection, he's starting off at RB5, there's only so much that he can get on top of that, um, especially in comparison to the projection that you might have for Christian McCaffrey. Although I will say that with those little tweaks that we made, 3% to the rushing, 1% to the receiving, he moves up into a range where he's challenging Austin Eckler for the RB2. Downside, though, I think is maybe the thing we should look at more. What if you end up, what if there are some lingering facts from, or lingering factors from the injury? He only gets 57% of the rushing work. Maybe not, well, let's just keep it at 10% of the targets. Let's say that you see a small dip in efficiency. Um, the yardage isn't going to do too much to that, but we'll drop that down to four. Maybe rushing touchdowns fall down to seven. Leave the receiving work somewhat flat. And you'd be looking at a situation here where you might view him a bit differently than you were um, under those other configurations as he would fall down to RB. 16 behind guys like ETN and Gibbs, maybe in a range of like JK Dobbins and Kenneth Walker. So I think that with where he's priced right now, I think you have a tiny bit of upside. He's a player I'm definitely interested in drafting. I think there's downside there. Um, but I think that, if Hall is on track the way that we expect, it's going to be hard for him not to be a fairly relevant fantasy running back. Now, if we look at the wide receivers, with the way things are constituted in my baseline projection, you have Garrett Wilson receiving a target share of 26%. If we look at what he was able to achieve last year in his first year in the league, he had a target share at 25% for the Jets. 1,103 yards, four receiving touchdowns. So I think that you're going to see something somewhat similar this year. I gave him 26% of the offense. Some of the reason I didn't jump that up more is I think that Lazard factors in fairly nicely um, from his perspective with what you might see uh, Rodgers do. And uh, also accounting for a little bit of maybe a delay in the two of them getting on the same page and in sync. I don't know. I think 26% is a fair piece for a reasonable projection, a fair piece of, of the target share there. Uh, from a yards per reception perspective, I have him at 13.5. Last year was at 13.29. Had a receiving touchdown rate of uh, 5% last year. My projection this year, as I'm seeing a little bit of a jump, that would get him up to seven receiving touchdowns on his 161 targets. A catch rate here with a pretty significant jump from 0.56 to 0.65, assuming that we're going to have a better quality of target going his way with Aaron Rodgers passing to him. This gets Garrett Wilson in baseline projections to evaluation of wide receiver 10, 
behind guys like Waddle and Cup in kind of that same zone with Amon Ross St. Brown, Devonta Smith, then ahead of guys like T. Higgins, Marquise Brown, Christian Kirk, guys like that. Now, if he did get up to 28%, which I think is probably the highest I would think about in a projection for him, without making any other tweaks, you see him get up to wide receiver seven. I don't think that there's as much downside uh, with Wilson um, as some of the other wide receivers on this team, naturally. Uh, Even if you put him at like a target share of 23%, and you look at where he would finish, he would come in at wide receiver 14. So a player that's pretty appropriately priced, I don't think that you see on either side of his baseline a tremendous amount of movement in some of those like reasonable scenarios that you could have play out in your mind. Um, if we did leave him at the 26%, and maybe scale back that increase in receptions. Maybe he only gets up to a uh, a 59% reception rate. That's not going to really change things that much for him. You're still going to see his touchdowns coming into a pretty similar zone. Not going to have a huge impact on yardage. It would drop him down to the wide receiver 14 range. So in the reasonable scenarios where he's failing to achieve that baseline expectation, Um, You don't have him falling too far back from where his ADP is valuing him. Now, Alan Lazard, admittedly, and as as I've mentioned, I'm probably higher on him than I should be. Now, if you look at what he did last year as the main option for Aaron Rodgers, he had a target share of 21%, had 788 yards, six receiving touchdowns. That was across 15 games. I have him getting a target share of 22%. I think when you look at the other options there, considering that the tight ends are Tyler Conklin, CJ Azoma, you have guys like McCall Hardman, who might be interesting for Rodgers, but has never really put it together, where he would challenge for a wide receiver two spot. You have an aged Randall Cobb, among other options there in the receiving room. It just makes sense that Lazard is going to get a nice share. Obviously, there's still Corey Davis there, um, some other pieces. But in my mind, he is well positioned to be Aaron Rodgers' option behind Garrett Wilson. So the 22% feels fair. Um, I think you could see Lazard end up with around seven touchdowns. He's been a good touchdown scorer, put up six last year, eight the year before. Finishes with seven touchdowns in my baseline projection, uh, over a thousand yards, and 86 receptions. So as I've said, this gets him into wide receiver two territory at wide receiver 21. All right. Let's say I'm overzealous here and things scale back 4% for him. And maybe we drop his touchdown rate from 8% down to 6%. That's not going to change, um, or sorry, that 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 does change things actually pretty significantly. Brings him just down, down to just four touchdowns. And if you look where that places him now among all wide receivers in the baseline projections, we end up with him down at wide receiver 39. Now, this feels like something that's definitely possible. I think that a lot of people's baseline projections might be closer to this range. 
than where I have him. So against my baseline projection, I think that it is fair to say that there's significant downside. Now, considering the fact that my baseline probably is upside projected into it, given where he's being drafted, um, I think that speaks a lot about why I like him so much this year and gives the context in which he, he becomes a player that at his ADP, I think you're still going to be interested in going at after, if not very interested, even when you're considering some of the downside in there. I don't think that there's any other players in this offense we really need to talk about. Um, I don't think we need to look more at the upside scenarios for Lazard, since I think a lot of people might push back on how um, how optimistic the baseline is for him, just given on what I'm seeing when you look at how other people have projected the Jets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, that brings us to the Giants. Now, the Giants are interesting for a number of reasons, but I think the biggest reason that they're interesting this year from fantasy is that nobody knows what to do with this team's wide receivers. If you pop into a best ball draft right now, what you're going to see is Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, um, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, all sandwiched in similar spots. The team also has Sterling Shepard still. Uh, They got Jamison Crowder. There are a ton, a ton of wide receivers there. So in my projection, oh, there's Jalen Hyatt, who I didn't even mention, the rookie. I have no idea at this point in the year how you break down this wide receiver core and apply a target share. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, but first, let's talk about the team's rushing game. Daniel Jones, actually, I'm sorry, we need to take a step back here and just look from a team level. This is a team that last year went 9-7-1. and one. They ran 11 more plays than average. I think we're going to see them in somewhat similar place this year. But I do have them coming in 30 plays ahead of average. Um, they, they feel to be going in the right direction under head coach Brian Dayball. 
this gives them a split where they're 51% pass, 49% rush, uh, consistent with last year. That's 550 passing attempts, 535 rushing attempts. Now, for Saquon Barkley, an interesting thing here is that Daniel Jones does take away a very healthy percentage of that work. In fact, if you look at his rushing share uh, across the last couple of years, you might be surprised if you haven't been paying attention to this. The last couple of years, he's actually been at a 24% share of rushes. Let's, for our projection, put him at 20%. Um, He also finishes with 3,688 yards passing, 25 passing touchdowns. And as a rusher, actually, he's been adding, uh, added seven rushing touchdowns last year to the year before that. I think that you could see him in the context of this offense this year get to four or five rushing touchdowns, which is going to put him in a range where he's going to finish right on the cusp of being a wide receiver, or excuse me, being a quarterback one, um, if not just getting into that territory. So I have him projected in line with guys like Dak Prescott, uh, Deshaun Watson in that area. Now, what does this leave for Saquon Barkley? I think you still see Saquon Barkley getting around 60% of the team's rushing work, 15% of the team's targets. In 2022, he was at 59%, uh, 17% target share. Year before that was at 51% rush, 13% target share. Um, I do have him being fairly efficient, but nothing crazy this year. Nine rushing touchdowns on 321 rushes, uh, 1,300 or so rushing yards, two receiving touchdowns with an additional 384 receiving yards, 59 receptions. That baseline puts Saquon at the RB3. Is there any room for upside there? Sure. We don't need to explore that. There is RB1 upside. Um, I am not drafting him like I'm expecting him to realize that. I think what listeners are likely more interested in here is what the downside looks like. Well, if we scale him back to just 50% of rushing attempts, maybe 11% of receiving attempts, this is a huge thing we're factoring in here. Um, And then we look at where he finishes. That moves him back to RB11 which is actually pretty impressive because those are some really significant tweaks that has him finishing with seven rushing touchdowns, still over 1100 rushing yards. The receiving touchdowns would stay the same and the receiving yardage would go down to 280. Uh, One of the things that's insulating him here is a lot of play volume Um, for the team. If he were on offense, we were expecting them to go underneath league average in terms of plays this might be more impactful um so i'm actually fairly surprised when you run those numbers to see where he finishes uh, especially in comparison to where his adp has him at i would say though that my assessment from exploring other options here is that barkley has more downside than he does upside. I think if you factor in things beyond just working through projection, that might be your takeaway too. Um, nonetheless, though, still 
one of the five running backs I'd be most interested in drafting heading into this year. Uh, a lot of that comes from the significant work you would expect from him as a receiving option. What do we do with these wide receivers? Well, I think that what you're projecting for any of these guys or expecting at this point in the year is that in most cases, maybe they get around 12% of the targets, which gets them to only 66 targets. Now, none of these players are the type where you're going to be putting them in the double digits for receiving touchdown percentage. Um, Darius Slayton has been very impressive in years past in terms of yards per reception. Hodgins and Robinson and Paris Campbell, those are going to be guys that uh, on that target volume aren't going to be able to do enough with yards per reception to really swing things. In this configuration, you don't end up with any of these wide receivers uh, getting into the top 75. As a result of this, they're really in step with what you're seeing in ADP. So what I think makes more sense to explore here is just thinking about what happens if one of these guys ends up getting 18% of the targets. What would that mean? So for Darius Slayton, for example, that jumps him up from around wide receiver 76 to wide receiver 43. Uh, alternative, alternatively, if we just do that with Isaiah Hodgins and the profile that you would expect from him, given what we know about him, you see him make the jump again from somewhere around wide receiver 75 to wide receiver 85 up into the territory of wide receiver 43. I don't know what you do with this in your mind, but for me, from a best ball perspective, I'm mixing them in on my Daniel Jones teams. I'm also open to mixing in any of these options uh, in the late rounds because you're still seeing them there in like round 17, round 18. And wide receivers that finish somewhere between 40 to 45 are still pretty useful guys to have on your team from week to week. So there's only so much you can say about them right now. This is the thing we're going to have to monitor as we get closer to the season starting, um, as we learn more from training camp and what have you. Um, in terms of the player, I don't have a lot of thoughts right now, but in terms of going after a mixture of these guys, I think it's worth it. Um, as I mentioned, Daniel Jones, definitely a quarterback too. That's also pretty interesting. And I have been putting him in on my best ball teams a fair amount. Uh, one of the things that you like is that rushing upside. This is a team that looks like it could take a step forward. And in comparison to other players, Daniel Jones probably has the most to gain from this team taking another step forward. So that gets us through two of the New York teams. When we catch up next time, we will be looking at the Patriots and Saints. I'm about to sneeze. All right. I'm not going to go back and edit that out. Downside to doing this by uh, yourself. You can't kick it over to somebody else. But anyway, Patriots 
and Saints, next time we go through one of these projections episodes, I will talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.